Hello, and welcome to Not Our First Rodeo, a podcast on faith and life by Christian women who have collectively made every mistake in the book. This is a Titus 2 podcast by King of Kings PCA, and we hope this episode is edifying to you as you continue to grow in holiness. Well, hello, Linda. How are you? I'm pretty well, Gail. How are you? I'm all right. You know, well, in podcasts, when they chit-chat in the beginning. Yeah. Do you like that? I don't really like it. And here we are chit-chatting. What do you think? Uh, you know, there's part of me that doesn't like it because they're not cut into the chase. Right. There's another part of me that really appreciates the friendship mm. and that aspect of more re- being more relational. Yeah. And so I'm kind of... Yeah torn both ways i i understand that i yeah i think it's okay as long as it doesn't go too far yeah so in light of that we're gonna stop the chit chat and get on with the meat here so christmas is what 11 days away something like that and we are today in this episode going to be talking about the incarnation what a beautiful doctrine linda why is it important that we understand the doctrine of the incarnation? Well, there are a multitude of reasons. Um, as I've been thinking about this and, um, you know, I've been reading through an Advent devotional that talks a lot about the incarnation. Mm-hmm. And... The biggest reason I think that we should appreciate the Incarnation is that it is such a symbol of God's love. Mm. He didn't have to come. He didn't have to take on flesh and save us. He could have left us, Mm -hmm. and he doesn't. What a beautiful thought. Yeah, and I wonder if that's part of the Incarnation we don't contemplate enough you know if we look across all of scripture we see God always initiating with man Mm -hmm. right starting with creation Adam and Eve in the garden Adam where are you and throughout the whole Old Testament we see God dwelling with his people the pillar of smoke the cloud the fire on Sinai the tabernacle where his presence his idea was to be with his people and then for it to come in such fullness that he comes to earth, you know, through his son. Right. What a complete picture it, of him pursuing it, us. It really is. I think um, Christianity, um, one of the big differences from any other faith tradition is that we are a receiving people, mm-hmm. right? The gift of the incarnation, the gift of the Christ, and when we think about his come, his first coming, the Advent, we also look forward to mm-hmm. his second coming, when he will be with us forever. Mm. Yeah, that really completes it, right? If we go from the Old Testament, from creation to new creation, yeah. it's this consistent pattern of God pursuing his people. And the Bible even says that there's none who seek for God, not even one. Not even one. So it's that we can know him and love him 
is because of him coming after us. Right. Because he gives us the ability Mm -hmm. to love him, the ability to be in relationship with him. But for him and his grace, we wouldn't. No, we would not. So when we think of the incarnation, it, you know, parallel right, right with it is the idea of Christ's humanity. Yes. Which is sometimes hard to grasp. Here we have this perfect man who's God. John 1, I think, is a beautiful passage about the incarnation. Incarnation. Mm-hmm. In the beginning was the word, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Right? Right. So here God comes to live with us, and so he's God, and yet he's fully human. So could you comment on how we can get a wrong view of who Jesus is if we don't focus on his humanity as much as his deity? I think it's easy, and I think I was guilty at one point in my life, of focusing more on the deity than the humanity. Mm -hmm. And then it's a little bit like, well, yeah, he came. Yeah, he did all these things, but he was God. So, you know, they couldn't really hurt him. They couldn't really do anything to him. He was God. And that's a wrong view Mm -hmm. because he suffered bodily and emotionally just like we do because he took on humanity um is it i want to say augustine but it might be athanasius one of them said one of those a guys one of those old dead aquinas guys. aristotle yeah. they all get mixed up one yeah. of those dead guys um said that whatever has not been assumed cannot be healed so if god if jesus were less than fully human he wouldn't be able to fully redeem us that's pretty astounding it is and i think i've been guilty of that too focusing more on the deity athanasius wrote a small book called on the incarnation that we recommend to you it's very good and i think that's from him but not going to swear on it that quote you just said so yeah when we deny Jesus, or not even deny, just overlook or don't focus equally on his humanity. I think we lose a comfort that's been intended for us. You know, the whole idea that Jesus walked this path that we walked and suffered many of the same things that we did, was tempted in every way, and yet he was sinless. He, We have a high priest who can relate and understand and have compassion because of him being human. There's this song that I love about the incarnation. It's called um, Welcome to Our World. I want to read a few of the lyrics, see if this sparks anything in you. Tears are falling, hearts are breaking. How we need to hear from God. You've been promised, we've been waiting. Welcome, holy child of God. Hope you don't mind our manger, how I wish we would have known. But long-awaited holy stranger, please make yourself at home. Bring your peace into our violence, bid our hungry souls be filled. Word now breaking heaven's silence, 
welcome to our world. Fragile finger sent to heal us, tender brow prepared for thorn, tiny heart whose blood would save us unto us is born. So wrap our injured flesh around you. Breathe our air and walk our sod. Rob our sin and make us holy. Perfect son of God, welcome to our world. Isn't that beautiful? It is beautiful. Um, I was thinking too about Josh's sermon on Sunday Mm. when he talked, you know, about John the Baptist sending his disciples to Jesus to say, are you the one? Because the prophecies were that he would come as a man, but as a king. Mm -hmm. Now, we don't think of a king as an itinerant preacher, right? Mm -hmm. We think of a king as someone with all the stuff, Mm -hmm. and Jesus didn't have all the stuff. Yeah, he... He lived in poverty, basically, yet in total richness. His father provided everything right. for him. Our definition would be poverty. So Jesus, God comes to earth in the person of Jesus Christ. And this is our hope, right? Yep. That his perfect life, resurrection, and ascension. Focusing on the incarnation now. Maybe you've heard of the term the hypostatic union. So this is... Mm-hmm. Um, the idea that Christ's two natures are joined, and we can't separate them, and we can't understand it completely. Right. Often in Philippians 2, yes, Philippians 2, where it talks about the kenosis, that Christ emptied himself. Some people take that, that he emptied himself of his divinity. Can you comment on that? I don't think he could <laughs> empty himself <laughs> of his divinity. Um, his divinity is his identity, but on the same in the same token, his humanity is also his mm-hmm. identity, and once he took it on, he can't give it up. Right. When when we see him, we will see a bodily Christ, a yeah. bodily Jesus. Because once he took on flesh, he took it on forever. Mm. And that's kind of amazing. That is amazing. I like what you said, once he took it on. So really we need to see the incarnation as more of an addition than a subtraction. Now, of course. Oh, for sure. Jesus laid down some of his prerogatives to Mm -hmm. serve us and to live in this body. But nothing of his divinity. So what we shouldn't bifurcate, what God has not. And to hold them in tension together is difficult, but it's something we need to pray and work towards. So incarnation means the act of being made flesh, right? So we think of carne asada, all those kind of things come from that. <laughs> um, so his dwelling became with us. And really the biblical support for Jesus' humanity, it's copious. You know, in the gospel, we see Jesus having... Human needs like sleep, food, physical protection. And he he perspired, right? He cried. He had emotions. Yep. All while still being God. 
Jesus referred to himself as a man in John 8:40, and after his resurrection, his humanity was still recognized. So that's what you said in his resurrection. Yeah, he had a real body, and we know that he wasn't some ghost or anything right. because Thomas could feel the holes in his hands. Thomas could touch his wounds. After his resurrection, he cooked fish and ate right. with his disciples. He wouldn't have eaten food if he were not physically present. Exactly. And th- what a beautiful scene where he makes breakfast for the disciples. Yeah. So, Jesus, when he returned, he returned bodily mm-hmm. after the resurrection, correct? And what was, where was I going? <laughs> okay, he returned bodily. And that is really important because it should help us understand a little bit more what we will be in the new creation. Right. People recognized him. Now, there's a few instances, you know, Cleopas and his wife or companion, whoever it was. And that's because God veiled them from seeing. Right. Not because they couldn't see him or he wasn't recognizable. So in the new creation, I'll look at Linda and I'll know it's her and she'll know it's me. But yet there was something very different about Christ's exalted body right Right. there's something different well i think if you look at the mount of transfiguration Mm. when jesus is glowing right Mm -hmm. and then moses and elijah come and talk about his exodus his leaving but moses and elijah also were recognizable. Mm-hmm. They had Good. bodies. And so we should be anticipating mm-hmm. having a body. <clears throat> a new, yeah, a glorified a body. A new body. I always thought, well, if we get to request, I want Halle Berry's, but I don't think it's that kind of thing. <laughs> I think it's going to be this one, um, but glorified. And now, do we understand completely what that is? No. But Seeing Jesus, knowing, seeing in the scriptures how he did walk our sod. And you know, it wasn't just so he could taste food and feel sorrow. No. Those things show his humanity. He came to be the savior of mankind, born under the law, and to obey the law perfectly. Because as we've said in past, I think, episodes, Adam failed, Adam and Eve failed, Israel failed, Christ alone. Right. Christ alone succeeded, and um, and he had to be human. He had to be human because he had to face the same trials that Adam faced and Israel faced and succeed in them. Mm-hmm. And if he hadn't been human, he wouldn't have struggled. I mean, he wouldn't have, it wouldn't have been real. Yeah. It would have been pseudo-suffering, right? That's, yeah, true. But he didn't have pseudo-suffering. Scripture tells us that he suffered everything that's common to man. Isn't that a, think of it, think, just think this past month, maybe, Linda, of maybe hurts you've had, physical sickness, anything like that. Yeah. To know that Jesus dealt with upset stomachs and headaches and all of those things. Uh, It gives me comfort when I actually am obedient and focus on that. 
-hmm. Instead of saying, God, why are you doing this? Say, you are with me and you know because you've been through this, this kind of grief and sadness. So Christ came in the flesh under the law to fulfill the law on our behalf. And it was necessary for him to have flesh and blood because a blood sacrifice was required for the forgiveness of sins. Right. So there was some sext in the Bible who thought, well, it, he didn't really die or he didn't really raise, you know, all these trying to qualify with perhaps these excuses that it didn't happen according to the scripture, but it did. When Christ came into the world, he said, sacrifice an offering you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me. That's Hebrews 10, 5. Without the incarnation, Christ really could not die for us. And the cross becomes meaningless. This is a huge thing to understand. Right. <clears throat> right. Then we're back to what was not assumed cannot be healed. Oh, yeah. Very good. <laughs> so we might, pray this side of heaven, never be able to fully take this in, right, and understand it. No. But as we begin to grow in our understanding, there's great comfort in knowing that God was with us then and he's with us now although now it's not bodily it's through his spirit he still resides with us yeah i love is i know it's in first john and i don't remember exactly where because i'm terrible with addresses for scripture (laughs) but he says john says we do not know what we will be like Mm -hmm. but we know we will be like him. Mm-hmm. How great is that? Doesn't matter what we'll be like. We'll be like him because we'll be with him and in him and never separated from him. That's beautiful. I need to think about that more. Maybe I'll contemplate that the you know, the in devotionals between now yeah. and Christmas a little more. Mm-hmm. Yet yeah, we celebrate the incarnation and yes, we should. Right. Oh, not, absolutely. Not the commercial way, but um, I just finished a book by Michael Williams called Far As the Curse is Found. I recommend it heartily <laughs> as far. I don't know if any of you, it's the first time I read Michael Williams, but I've, I've heard of read. him forever in our reformed circles. And he's pretty amazing. And the whole idea is him coming to earth. Think of it, the fall was comprehensive. Everything fell. Some people think, well, our reason didn't fall. I disagree with that because of Romans. However, that aside, if everything fell, every molecule in this world is affected by the rebellion and sin of our first father. And we perpetuate it, right? Right. How big is going to be the rescue? Yeah. Yeah. You know, like Kuiper says, there is not a square inch of this earth that God doesn't say, this is mine. When Christ comes the second time, he is going to redeem. We're already redeemed, but that will be made complete. But he will redeem every molecule. All things. All things, every plant, every, this whole world. You know, we're not going to be floating on clouds playing harps. We're going to have a glorified body like Jesus had recognizable, able to eat, work, praise God, all these things, but that curse. He came to make known, right, 
the glories of his love bar as a curse is found. So today, whatever anyone's struggling with, any pain, loss, disappointment, the day is coming when Christ will come again in power and glory. And like Linda said, we're going to see him face to face. Yeah. And that's amazing. And be like him. Um, <clears throat> the What is the book? I can't remember the title of the book. Kyle Strobel wrote it. And it is Spiritual Disciplines um, in line with Jonathan Edwards. Mm-hmm. But that's not the title. <laughs> I think it. I think it might be made for God's glory. I don't know that, but I'm so. not sure. Um, he has this wonderful description of heaven, and he says, you know, once we are actually in heaven, um, all of our sin and all of our iniquity and all of our stuff that makes us unlike Christ will be gone Mm -hmm. it will be done away with and only in heaven will we finally truly be able to love god with our whole heart mind spirit and strength Mm -hmm. yeah and to love our neighbors as ourselves wow (laughs) we have so much to look forward to and i love that verse i'm thinking it's in romans where it says uh the day the day of salvation is closer than when we first believed yeah we're getting closer we're closer today than we were yesterday. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> closer to the grave, but also closer to the resurrection. Yep. I did want to mention, <clears throat> in closing, there has been a very big push in ministry for incarnational ministry, incarnational living. And I just wanted to say, um, it appears that there's a right way to view that and a wrong way. And it seems it's getting a little more towards the wrong way. Let me explain. So, Christ isn't here bodily on earth, but we are his hands and feet. He, through his spirit, works through us, and we want to do the things that Jesus did, right? Love, heal, forgive, serve, worship, all those things. So, yes, we are to live incarnationally. If we take that too far, we diminish the incarnation of Christ and that and that was a historical thing that happened, right? Right. Now some spiritual, it's in history. So the push right now is in ministries is to be, live the good news, live incarnationally, relate to the culture, get to know them, dress like them, eat like them, you know, those kind of things, which I'm not saying anything's wrong with that because, but where it kind of goes a little south is there, there's a push to not talk about the message, but to live incarnationally. And when the gospel is reduced to identifying with others, the uniqueness of Christ's incarnation becomes an afterthought. And the good news is a, a, basically a personal ethic. But, okay, I get that. But another problem I see with that is that if all I'm working on is living incarnationally, right? And yeah. being, being whatever that is, 
that makes it about the incarnation of me. Oh, interesting, yeah. And not about the incarnation of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Right. So we don't want to deny that we live in union with Christ. No. And that he lives in us. All that is true. But it's not about us. And it's not... Listen, we need to relate to other people. When in Rome, you know, what did Paul say? To I become all things to all men that I may, by some mean, gain them for Christ, right? right. So we're, we're on board with all of that. But he but, also said faith comes by hearing and hearing comes that's by right. the word of God. So it is not that we just live. It is that we also speak the truth in love. That's so important. I feel like... It used to be too much the opposite. Give the message, give the message. Mm-hmm. But the life wasn't as important. Mm-hmm. And now there seems to be a swing. You know, I've heard this for years, right? I'll preach the gospel if necessary, use words. Mm-hmm. I don't know why that bothers me. Because we need to be obedient so that we are that light to the nations that God has called us to be. Right. We have to use words. I don't mm-hmm. care how good we're living and believe it, you know. We're blowing it left and right. Sin all, all over, right? All so even if our best efforts, we have to. Like you said, hear, faith comes by hearing. It's, yes, live incarnationally. Don't serve pork to your Muslim neighbor. You know, let's, we just need to be loving, right? right? But at the same time, there is a time when we have to speak. And we have to say, this is who Jesus is. This is who how he came to earth and talk about the incarnation and that this incarnation of God coming to earth through Christ is utterly unique. We image that somewhat. Yeah. This came, got so far about 15, maybe 20 years ago. I don't know. A friend from that we are closer with in the past said, I'm going to change the name to what they said. I'm Jesus, but I'm living in Brad's body. Do you see where this can get kind of skewed? (laughs) (laughs) I I wish you all could see the look on Linda's face. She's incredulous. But this is where this goes. If we take this metaphor that has some some good truth to it, we take it too far. Christ, by his spirit, does choose to dwell in us and he does promise to give us wisdom and promises to give us the words we need to speak and promises to provide according to his riches in glory he's the one that gives us faith he's the one that gives us life but we are not jesus no i am not jesus believe me oh i believe you no We know each other well enough. We know we're not Jesus. Right. <laughs> that is well said. So we have redemption in the risen Lord who did come and live with us. And the focus in incarnational ministry that I see a lot today really focuses on appreciation for cultural diversity. And we need to be all about that. The beautiful yep. diversity, even within, you know, churches that are mostly wasp you know there's still diversity mm-hmm. but then you go into cultural diversity and that's a beautiful thing that god has done right there will be people from every tribe and tongue and nation around the throne. revelation tells us that 
but it's that's limited to the future. We do our best now to enjoy and engage those things. It, absolutely. I think one of the most helpful things um, when it comes to living in a Christ-like manner is the idea uh, that Ed Welch gave us about talking to someone until you can see the connections. I love that. You know, because at, at the bottom line, we are all human. We are all sinners. We are all flesh and blood and have struggles and victories. And the more I can relate to a person and help the two of us see what we have in common, the more genuinely I can talk with that person about faith. I can really speak the truth (coughs) in love if I see the commonality between us. If I see that person as a project or a target, then I'm going to talk at them. If I can relate to them as, as in our sameness, I can talk to them as I would hope someone would talk to me. Yes. And what you're talking about, that getting to know people and how you talk to them, we're not suggesting that there should be some missionary outpost that just projects the message. No, we are to live in this flesh where God has put us, embracing the culture as much. I'm going to say this, you know, maybe I'm wrong, but embrace the culture as much as you can without sinning. You know, so if there's good and beautiful things about the culture that can help us relate to other people, do it. Go to the symphony, go to the art exhibits, eat different food, you know, all those things. We don't have to engage in the sinful aspects of our this cultural moment. And we can still live incarnationally, if you if you will. Right. When Israel was in Babylon, through the prophet Jeremiah, God told them to marry to build homes, to plant gardens, to have children, and to pray for the city where God had placed them because in the welfare of the city, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. they would find their own welfare. That's true for us as well. I'm glad that you brought that up. That's true. Absolutely. Let's close with this thought, Linda. There's so much more that, that can be said, right? We don't these podcasts are not because we're exhausting any subject. We're just touching on it. Hopefully those who listen might say, yeah, I want to learn more about that and yeah. dig into it themselves. And but, these podcasts are not because we're experts on anything. Because no, you know our tagline. We've made every mistake in the book. Yep. And we all know each other pretty well. So yeah, that's true. We've done that. Let's close with this. And Merry Christmas to everyone. And enjoy the reality of the incarnation in your life yeah. today. We love you, and we pray for our listeners, and let's glory in what God has done this season. Let me end with this quotation. The time is ripe for evangelicals to rediscover the many implications of the astonishing fact of the incarnation. We often evince a Gnostic attitude towards our bodies in the material world, acting as if physical things don't really matter if you're a spiritual person. But in the incarnation, we see how God acts in and through the flesh and blood of Jesus Christ.
because of this unique action, the location of being in Christ is one of communion with God and fellowship in the body of Christ, the church. We need to champion the uniqueness of the incarnation and how it leads to a dynamic theology of union with Christ, where the Spirit gathers for us, gathers to us. All right, let's end with that. And if you want more, um, we'll put the name of this article from Christianity Today that I quoted from. It's called The Problem with Incarnational Ministry by Todd Billings. So, see you later. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Today's episode was brought to you by the Women of King of Kings Church. Visit our show notes for more information. 